Section 43 of Around the World on a Bicycle, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in May 2012. Around the World on a Bicycle, Volume 2 by Thomas Stevens. Chapter 20, Part 2 The Home Stretch. At Kyoto begins the Tokaido, the most famous highway of Japan, a road that is said to have been the same great highway for travel that it is today, for many centuries. It extends from Kyoto to Tokyo, a distance of 325 miles. Another road, called the Nakasendo, the road of the central mountains, in contradistinction to the Tokaido, the road of the eastern sea, also connects the old capital with the new, but, besides being somewhat longer, the Nakazendo is a hillier road and less interesting than the Tokaido. After leaving the city, the Tokaido leads over a low pass through the hills to Otsu, on the lovely sheet of water known as Biva Lake. This lake is of about the same dimensions as Lake Geneva and fairly rivals that Switzer gem in transcendental beauty. The Japs, with all their keen appreciation of the beauties of nature, go into raptures over Biva Lake. Much talk is made of the eight beauties of Biva. These eight beauties are the autumn moon from Ishiyama, the evening snow on Hirayama, the blaze of evening at Seta, the evening bell of Miidera, the boats sailing back from Yabase, a bright sky with a breeze at Awatsu, Bane by night at Karasaki, and the wild geese alighting at Katara. All the places mentioned are points about the lake. All sorts of legends and romantic stories are associated with the waters of Lake Biva. Its origin is said to be due to an earthquake that took place several centuries before the Christian era. The legend states that Fuji rose to its majestic height from the plain of Suruga at the same moment the lake was formed. Temples and shrines abound, and pilgrims galore come from far-off places to worship and see its beauties. One object of special curiosity to tourists is a remarkable pine tree whose branches have been trained in horizontal courses over upright posts until it forms a broad shelter over several hundred square yards. A smaller imitation of the large tree is also spreading to ambitious proportions on the Tokaido side. Snow has fallen and rests on the upper slopes of the mountains overlooking the lake. Little steamers and numerous sailing craft are plying on the smooth waters, and wild geese are flying about. With these beauties on the left and tea gardens on the right, the Tokaido leads through rows of stately pines and past numerous villages along the lake shore. The Nakazendo branches off to the left at the village of Kusatsu, celebrated for the manufacture of riding whips. Through Ishibe and beyond, to where it crosses the Yokotagawa, the Tokaido continues level and good. Near the crossing of this stream is a curious stone monument, displaying the carved figures of three monkeys covering up their eyes, mouth and ears, to indicate that they will neither see, hear nor say any evil thing.
all through here the country is devoted chiefly to growing tea very pretty the undulating ridges and rolling slopes of the broken foothills look set out in thick bushy well-defined rows and clumps of dark shiny tea plants down a very steep declivity by sharp zigzags the tokaido suddenly dips into the little valley of the yasozegawa at the foot of the hill is a curious shrine cave containing several rude idols a troll with tame goldfish and one of the crudest buddhas i ever saw the aim of the ambitious sculptor of buddhas is to produce a personification of great tranquillity the figure in the valley of yasozegawa is certainly something of a masterpiece in this direction nothing could well be more tranquil than an oblong boulder with the faintest chiselling of a mouth and nose poised on the top of an upright slab of stone rudely chipped into a dim semblance of the human form a mile or two farther and my day's ride of forty-six miles terminates at the village of sakanoshita a comfortable yadoya awaits me here no better nor worse however than almost every jap village affords but on the tokaido the innkeepers are more accustomed to european guests than they are south of kobe every summer many european and american tourists journey between yokohama and kobe by jinrikisha at this yadoya i first become acquainted with that peculiar institution of japan the blind shampooer seated in my little room my attention is attracted by a man who approaches on hands and knees and butts his shaven pate accidentally against the corner of the open panel that forms my door he halts at the entrance and indulges in the pantomime of pinching and kneading his person his mission is to find out whether i desire his services for a small gratuity the blind shampooer of japan will rub knead and press one into a pleasant sensation from head to foot this office is relegated to sightless individuals or ugly women many japs indulge in their services after a warm bath finding the treatment very pleasant and beneficial so they say one of the most amusing illustrations of jap imitativeness is displayed in the number of american clocks one sees adorning the walls of the yadoyas in nearly every village the amusing feature of the thing is that the owners of these timepieces seem to have the vaguest idea of what they are for one clock on the wall of my yadoya indicates eleven o'clock another half past nine and a third seven fifteen as i pull out in the morning other clocks through the village street vary in similar degree watching out for these widely varying clocks as i wheel through the villages has come to be one of the diversions of the day's ride the road average is good although somewhat hilly in places from sakano through lovely valleys and pine-clad mountains to yokaichi Yokaichi is a small seaport whence most travellers along the Tokaido take passage to Miya in the steam passenger launches plying between these points. The Kuruma road, however, continues good to the Kuvana ten miles farther, whence to Miya one has to traverse narrower paths through a flat section of rice fields, dikes, canals, and sloughs. A ri beyond Okabe and the pass of Utsunoya necessitates a mile or two of trundling. 
here occurs a tunnel some six hundred feet in length and twelve wide a glimmer of sunshine or daylight is cast into the tunnel by a system of simple reflectors at either entrance these are merely glass mirrors set in an angle to reflect the rays of light into the tunnel descending this little pass the tokaido traverses a level rice-field plain crosses the abegawa and approaches the sea-coast at shizuoka a city of thirty thousand inhabitants the view of fuji now but a short distance ahead is extremely beautiful the smooth road sweeps around the gravelly beach almost licked by the waves the breakers approach and recede keeping time to the inimitable music of the surf vessels are dotting the blue expanse villages and tea-houses are seen resting along the crescent sweep of the shore for many a mile ahead where fuji slopes so gracefully down from its majestic snow-crowned summit to the sea it is indeed a glorious ride around the crescent bay through the seashore villages of okitsu yui kambara and iwabuchi to yoshiwara a little town on the footstool of the big gracefully sweeping cone the stretch of shore hereabout is celebrated in japanese poetry as taga no ura from the peculiarly beautiful view of fuji obtained from it this remarkable mountain is the highest in japan and is probably the finest specimen of a conical mountain in existence native legends surround it with a halo of romance its origin is reputed to be simultaneous with the formation of biwa lake near kyoto both mountain and lake being formed in a single night one rising from the plain twelve thousand eight hundred feet the other sinking till its bed reached the level of the sea the summit of fuji is a place of pilgrimage for japanese ascetics who are desirous of attaining perfect peace by imitating shita taishi the japanese buddha who climbed to the summit of a mountain in search of nirvana calm orthodox japs believe that the grains of sand brought down on the sandals of the pilgrims ascend to the summit again of their own accord during the night tradition is furthermore responsible for the belief that snow disappears entirely from the mountain for a few hours on the fifteenth day of the sixth moon and begins to fall again during the following night formerly an active volcano fuji even now emits steam from sun-dry crevices near the summit and will some day probably fill the good people at yoshiwara and adjacent villages with a lively sense of its power fuji is the special pride of the japs its loveliness appealing strongly to the national sense of landscape beauty of it their poet sings great fujiyama towering to the sky a treasure art thou given to mortal man a god protector watching o'er japan on thee forever let me feast mine eye fuji is passed and left behind and sixteen miles reeled off from ryoshiwara when mishima my destination for the night is reached a festival in honor of oyama tsumi no kami the god of mountains in general is being held here for behold to-day is november fifteenth the middle day of the bird one of the several festivals held in his honor every year 
the big temple grounds are swarming with people and peddlers stalls jugglers and all sorts of attractions give the place the appearance of a country fair leaving the bicycle outside i wander in and stroll about among the crowds sacred ponds on either side of the footway are swarming with sacred fish an ancient dame is doing a roaring trade in a small way in feathery bread puffs which the people buy and throw to the fish for the fun of seeing them swarm around and eat interested groups are gathered around veritable facsimiles of the yankee street men selling to credulous villagers little boxes of powder for coating things with silver others are selling songbooks attracting customers by the novel and interesting performances of a quartet of pretty girls who sing song after song in succession here also are little travelling peep-shows containing photographic scenes of famous temples and places in distant parts of the country among the various shrines in this temple is one dedicated to an ancient woodcutter who used to work and spend his wages on drink for his aged father who was now too old to earn money for the purpose himself at his father's demise the son was rewarded for his filial devotion by the discovery of a cascade of poor sake a gaily decorated car and a closed tumbril that looks very much like an old ammunition wagon have been wheeled out of their enclosures for the occasion strings of little bells are suspended on these Mothers hold their little ones up and allow them to strike these bells, toss a coin into the contribution box, and pass on. The vehicles probably contain relics of the gods. A wooden horse, painted red, stands in solemn and lonely state behind the wooden bars of his stall, but I have almost registered a vow against temples and their belongings in Japan, so inexplicable are most of the things to be seen. A person who has delved into the mysteries of Japanese mythology would no doubt derive much satisfaction from a visit to the Oyama Tsumi no Kami temple, but the average reader would weary of it all after seeing others. What to ordinary mortals signify such hideous mythological monsters as Sarutora Hebi, Monkey Tiger Serpent, or the Twenty-Four Paragons of Filial Piety on the Architrave yet of such as these is the ornamentation of all japanese temples some few there are that are admirable as works of art but most of them are hideous daubs and representations more than passing rude down the street near my yadoya within a boarded enclosure a dozen wrestlers are giving an entertainment for a crowd of people who have paid two sen apiece entrance fee the wrestlers of japan form a distinct class or caste separated from the ordinary society of the country by long custom that prejudices them against marrying other than the daughter of one of their own profession as the biggest and more muscular men have always been numbered in the ranks of the wrestlers the result of this exclusiveness and non-admixture with physical inferiors is a class of people as distinct from their fellows as if of another race the Japanese wrestler stands head and shoulders above the average of his countrymen, and weighs half as much more. 
as a class they form an interesting illustration of what might be accomplished in the physical improvement of mankind by certain malthusian schemes that have been at times advocated within a twelve-foot arena the sturdy athletes struggle for the mastery bringing to bear all their strength and skill no hippodroming here stripped to the skin the muscles on their brown bodies standing out in irregular knots they fling one another about in the liveliest manner the master of ceremonies stiff and important in a faultless grey garment bearing a samurai crest stands by and wields the fiddle-shaped lacquered insignia of his high office and utter his orders and decisions in an authoritative voice the wrestlers squat around the ring and shiver for the evening is cold until called out by the master of ceremonies the two selected take a small handful of salt from baskets of that ingredient suspended on posts and fling toward each other they then advance into the arena and furthermore challenge and defy their opponent by stamping their bare feet on the ground in a manner to display their superior muscularity another order from the gentleman wielding the fiddle-shaped insignia and they rush violently together engage in a catch-as-catch-can scuffle which in less than half a minute usually results in a decisive victory for one or the other the master of ceremonies waves them out of the ring straightens himself up assumes a very haughty expression until he looks like the very important personage he feels himself to be and announces the name of the victor to the spectators the one portion of the tokaido impassable with a wheel commences at mishima the famous hakone pass which for sixteen miles offers a steep surface of rough boulder paved paths coolies at mishima make their livelihood by carrying goods and passengers over the pass on kagoa the japanese palanquin obtaining a couple of men to carry the bicycle the chilly weather proves an inducement for following them afoot rather than occupy a cargo myself the block road is broad enough for a wagon being constructed no doubt with a view to military transport service the long steep slopes are literally carpeted in places with the worn-out straw shoes of men and horses the country observed from the elevation of the hakone pass is extremely beautiful the white-tipped cone of the magnificent fuji towering over all like a presiding genius near the hamlet of yamanaka is a famous point called fujimitaira terrace for looking at fuji big cryptomerias shade the broad stony path along much of its southern slope to hakone village and lake Hakone is a very lovely and interesting region, nowadays a favorite summer resort of the European residents of Tokyo and Yokohama. From the later place, Hakone Lake is but about 50 miles distant, and by Jinrikisha and Kago may be reached in one day. The lake is a most charming little body of water, a regular mountain gem, reflecting in its clear crystal depths the pine-clad slopes that encompass it round about, as though its surface were a mirror. Japanese mythology peopled the region round with supernatural beings in the early days of the country's history, when all about were impenetrable thickets and pathless woods. 
until the revolution of 1868, when all these old feudal customs were ruthlessly swept away, the Tokaido here was obstructed with one of the barriers, past which nobody might go without a passport. These barriers were established on the boundaries of feudal territories, usually at points where the traveller had no alternate route to choose. A magnificent avenue of cryptomeria shades the Tokaido for a short distance out of Hakone village. On the left is passed the large government sanitarium, one of those splendid modern-looking structures that speak so eloquently of the present Mikado's progressive and enlightened policy. The road then turns up the steep mountain slopes, fringed with impenetrable thickets of bamboo. Fuji, from here, presents a grand and curious sight. The wind has risen and the summit of the cone is almost hidden behind clouds of drifting snow, which, at a distance, might almost be mistaken for a steamy eruption of the volcano. Close by, too, the spirit of the wind moves through the bamboo brakes, rubbing the myriad frost-dried flags together and causing a peculiar rustling noise, the whispering of the spirits of the mountains. The summit reached, the Tokaido now leads through glorious pine woods, descending toward the valley of the Sakavagawa by a series of breakneck zigzags. The region is picturesque in the extreme. A small mountain stream tumbles along through a deep ravine on the left. Mountains tower aloft on the other side, and here and there give birth to a cataract that tumbles and splashes down from a height of several hundred feet. By 1 p.m. Yomoto and the recommencement of the Jinrikisha road is reached. A broiled fish and a bottle of native beer are consumed for lunch, and the cargo coolie is dismissed. The road from Yomoto is a gradual descent for four miles to Odawara, a town of some 13,000 inhabitants on the coast. The road now becomes level and broader than heretofore. Vehicles drawn by horses mingle with the swarms of jinrikishas and pedestrians. Both horses and drivers of the former seem sleepy, woebegone and careless, as though overcome with the consciousness of being out of place. Gangs of men are dragging stout handcarts, loaded with material for the construction of the Takaido Railway, now rapidly being pushed forward. Every mile of the road is swarming with life the strangely interesting life of Japan. Thirty miles from Yomoto and Totsuka provides me a comfortable yadoya, where the people quickly show their knowledge of the foreigners' requirements by cooking a beefsteak with onions, also in the morning by charging the first really exorbitant price I have been confronted with along the Tokaido. Totsuka is within the treaty limits of Yokohama, a mile or so toward Yokohama I pass, in the morning, the White Horse Tavern, capped in European style as a sort of roadhouse for foreigners driving out from that city or Tokyo. A fierce wind blowing from the south fairly wafts me along the last eleven miles of the Tokaido, from Totsuka to Yokohama. The wind indeed has been generally favourable since the rainstorm at Okabe, but it fairly whistles this morning. It calls to mind the Kansas wheelman, who claimed to have once spread his coat-tails to the breeze and coasted from Lawrence to Kansas City in three hours. 
unfortunately i am wearing a coat the pattern of which does not admit of using the tails for sails otherwise the home stretch of the tour around the world might have provided one of the most unique incidents of the many i have encountered on the journey a battery of field artillery the smartest seen since leaving germany is encountered in the streets of kanagawa at which point the road to yokohama branches off from the tokaido the great imperial highway along which i have travelled from the old capital almost to the new continues on to the latter seventeen miles farther since the completion of the railway between tokyo and kanagawa travellers journeying from the capital down to the tokaido usually ride on the train to kanagawa so that the jinrikisha journey proper nowadays commences at the latter city kanagawa is practically a suburban part of yokohama one japanese-owned clock observed here points to the hour of eight another to eleven and a third to half-past nine but the clock at the club hotel on the yokohama band is owned by an englishman and is just about striking ten when the last vault from the saddle of the bicycle that has carried me through so many countries is made and so the bicycle part of the tour around the world which was begun april twenty second eighteen eighty four at san francisco california ends december seventeenth eighteen eighty six at yokohama at this port i board the pacific mail steamer city of peking which in seventeen days lands me in san francisco of the enthusiastic reception accorded me by the san francisco bicycle club the bay city wheelmen and by various clubs throughout the united states the daily press of the time contains ample record here i beg leave to hope that the courtesies then so warmly extended may find an echoing response in this long record of the adventures that had their beginning and ending at the golden gate end of section forty three